Welcome to the Vulva Diaries with host Dr. Amanda Selk, bringing you the 101 on vulvovaginal health. So today we have back Dr. Melissa Mouskar again, who is a dermatologist from UT Southwestern Medical Center in Dallas, Texas. And it's nice of her to return to talk to us about pigmented vulvar lesions. Hi, Dr. Mouskar. Hey, thanks for having me. So why don't you tell us the sort of pigmented lesions that you see on the vulva? Great. So I think there are reports about 10 to 12% of women actually will have pigmented lesions on their vulva. Now we use that term pigmented lesions here, I think a little bit liberally because there are pigmented lesions that we classically think of containing melanocytes. So those are like our nevi or melanomas, and there are these a lot of mimickers. And so I see a lot more mimickers in my practice than true pigmented lesions. So what are some mimickers that we see? I think one that that sometimes it's almost a relief to see is angiokeratomas. Do you see a lot of those in your practice? Of course. So angiokeratomas are red, dark, black, purple, little pinpoint papules, typically on the labia majora. And they're actually just benign vascular growth. Sometimes they can bleed, so they can be really concerning for patients and providers. You know, a lot of times we can also see petechiae or purpura. You can see that from lichen sclerosis sometimes and scratching. You can also see seborrheic keratosis. Those are pretty common. They actually look very stuck on. And so they can be quite concerning because they can grow, they can itch. Sometimes patients can actually scratch them off or they can bleed. But they have these little white comedone-like openings in them. But a lot of times they can also be flat on the vulva as well. And then... You can see some pigmented H cells. I don't know. Have you seen a lot of that in your practice? Yeah, because I do colposcopy, I do see that. So I find H cell of the vulva can actually look like many different things, and it can be many different colors too. It can be red, white, gray, dark. So sometimes it's worth biopsying, especially if anything's raised. I think that's a great point. I see a lot of vulvar melanosis. Do you see? I feel like anyone that looks at the vulva, I mean, you can see that so frequently. And sometimes it can look really bizarre and can be a big melanoma mimicker. Do you see that in a lot of your patients? Yeah, I see it. What is your thought about biopsying it? So I think that there's a couple of different ways that people approach this. I personally, what I do when I see patients that I have a high concern, okay, is this very odd looking vulvar melanosis or could it be melanoma? So what I do is I basically take photos of all my patients. So every new patient gets a a photo. Most follow-up patients do as well. And I'll biopsy the darkest part of the spot. And sometimes, I mean, I'm sure you've seen this too, but sometimes this can span both labia minora. It can be symmetric, but it can, again, just look really concerning. And so I'll do the darkest pigmented portion and I'll do that for biopsy. And a lot of times it'll come back as a vulvar melanosis, but I'll have patients come back in three months and compare their photos. And if there are any other changes in that short of time, I'll re-biopsy and or consider sending to my, well, I don't always send a gynonc if it, it's the vulvar melanosis, but I think they can be, be hard. That's how I kind of approach them. What Do you do something similar? How do you approach them? Some people doing scouting biopsies also in the OR. No, I usually do what you do with the pictures, especially if it's everywhere. It's very uncommon that that's actually going to be a cancer. But any changes, I'm more worried about. If people want to biopsy right away or I think something looks like an actual melanoma somewhere else on the body, like all the 
you know, asymmetrical, the irregular border, the large diameter, the color variation, the ABCDs of melanoma. If I actually see that, of course, I would biopsy. But most of the time, I find people are just, they haven't usually looked at their skin and they're not, it may have been there for a very long time and then someone scared them. So it really depends on how my gut feel of how worried I am about it. I think that's, I mean, a really good point. I think you guys have colposcopy. We also have dermatoscopes. And so I use a dermatoscope for pigmented lesions and there's a lot of different patterns and they're expert dermoscopists that are dermatologists. And that's all that they'd see is pigmented lesions. On the vulva, I really go with my gut for biopsying. And so if I think something looks atypical without the dermatoscope, I kind of will biopsy them and use the dermatoscope as a tool with my clinical judgment with my eyes. But sometimes you can see this really classic blue-white veil with the dermatoscope that suggests a deeper pigment, so down in the dermis. So that's another marker that we look at. I think it's probably important that people know that vulvar melanomas are exceedingly rare, but they can be there, right? And so there's actually a really good paper that came out earlier this year. I wrote down the author because I thought it was great. A Woolmouth in the American Journal of Clinical Dermatopathology. They looked at this cohort of almost 2,000 women with vulvar and vaginal melanoma. And it is rare, but I feel like it's diagnosed so much later, probably because I think gynecologists definitely look at way more vulvas than dermatologists. Hopefully we can get more dermatologists to look at vulvas, but thankfully I think that the hard part with some of these pigmented lesions is so many people, like we said, have the vulvar melanosis and we're so used to seeing pigment, but that sometimes, you know, if it's a discrete lesion, maybe we're not catching it early enough. And sometimes it's just hard. It's hard to biopsy some of these pigmented spots. That paper, basically they compared vulvar melanoma and vaginal melanoma. And the the vulvar melanomas, we catch them when they're the superficial spreading type, as opposed to the nodular that has the worst type. The nodular melanomas are more often seen in the vagina with more metastasis. And then also the lymph node status, basically the lymph node status and the mitotic rate are the important predictors of survival. But like you said, it's very rare, but hopefully we can catch it earlier, but it's really tough. I feel like with pigmented lesions in the vulva. So yeah, so hopefully we can get, you know, more dermatologists to look at the vulvas and appreciate these. Cause honestly, I think some patients come in for skin checks and a lot of dermatologists, we look from head to toe, we look in between their toes in the perianal skin, but sometimes, and even myself, I've had a lot of patients recently that I continuously learn from, but I was probably only spreading the lips in maybe 60 or 70% of my patients. And so I recently had a patient that had was referred to me for vulvar melanoma. And the interesting thing about this patient is she had a skin check by an amazing person six months before, but they didn't spread the lips. She saw a gynecologist a couple months before who maybe they thought it was vulvar melanosis. And then she saw actually a PM&R doctor who saw this spot and was worried about it and sent her to me. And when I saw it, I was like, oh yeah, I'm worried about that this could be melanoma also. And so I think that when it's there, sometimes it can mimic other things. And that's why having a high index of suspicion is good, but also making sure that we kind of spread the lips and, and we take careful look all places on the vulva, but that was definitely my patient that I've learned so much from and, and making sure that we literally look everywhere from head to toe on these patients. Yeah. I mean, lots of vulvar cancers are diagnosed late. And I think in general, even the squamous cell, the more common ones are diagnosed late. So as you say, it's looking all the time and biopsying if you're worried. 
Is there any specific way to biopsy when you're worried about a melanoma? So it kind of depends on how big the spot is. So ideally, if you can get the whole lesion out in one sample, that would be the best thing for the patient, for the pathologist, and for you. Sometimes these spots are pretty big and that's hard to do. I like to use a dermablade or a scalpel, a 15 blade to do a a shave biopsy to get the pigment. You want to do a a saucerization or a scoop shave. So you want to make sure that you get in the dermis. You're not just getting superficially for them. I don't like to punch through the melanoma, but if it's an isolated lesion that can fit in a punch, then that's okay. But that's kind of my approach for, for biopsying these spots. Are there any other pigmented vulvar lesions you want to talk about? Gosh, we hit on a lot of them. There's often common just nevi that are round. They're very symmetric. A lot of patients will have those as well. And a lot of patients, they may know that they've had them because they were pointed out before, but you can just get plain nevi on the vulva as well, not necessarily melanomas. And how about the people who get hyperpigmentation? Yes. So you can get post-inflammatory hyperpigmentation on the vulva and you can get that from a lot of different things. So really any inflammation that's there in the past, like if they had psoriasis or even lichen sclerosis that's treated, I, you know, you can get a lot of post-inflammatory hyperpigmentation there as well. In general, other than the melanoma, do any of these conditions you mentioned need treatment? The seborrheic keratoses can be quite itchy sometimes. And so for dermatologists, what we typically use, do you guys use a lot of cryotherapy in your practice, like liquid nitrogen? Some people, the people who treat warts have liquid nitrogen, but not everybody has liquid nitrogen in their clinics. So it really depends. Most dermatologists will have them for treating warts or from seborrheic keratosis, even precancers like actinic keratosis, like on the face. And so I'll treat seborrheic keratosis if they're irritated or inflamed. And then, you know, obviously some veruca as well can treat those if they're symptomatic. If they're thick and raised, I'll treat them with cryotherapy versus the flat ones that also can look pigmented that respond well to amiquimod. And I've just removed them sometimes. Sometimes people just have one or two and they're rubbing on their underwear or just bugging them or they don't feel like it's easy to watch themselves. So, And as you say, so many people are uncomfortable looking at them, other clinicians. And if I can't watch them myself, sometimes I'll just take them off. I think that's a great point. I mean, sometimes these spots can be more scary to us, not people that see them all the time, but just to, to physicians. And so I think sometimes we see that a lot in the hospital too with, you know, there are some like skin rashes we see in the hospital that I think are more worrisome to some of the other doctors sending them in that even though they don't bother the patient all the time, treating them with, with topical steroids or helping the rash go away is, is beneficial for everybody. Well, if you ask people to watch something and see if it changes, like it's one thing if you can watch it change, but if they can't actually see it very well themselves, and then your other clinicians are not comfortable watching, then if it's a small thing that's easy to take off, sometimes that just is easier. We don't want to make patients more anxious when we see them too. So I think sometimes it's hard because patients are like, that's why I'm coming to you so you can watch the spot, especially if it's getting a mirror and trying to look down there. So that's an excellent point. Yeah. And I think, again, it's all about your access to care and who can see you and the few of us in the world that do a lot of this can't see everything. So it's... As much as we'd love to follow everybody. You could have appointments, you know, and do telederm from 10 to 12 at night. You could work those ones in. (laughs) It's hard. A lot of these things other than the seborrheic keratoses, you said they have itching. Do any of these other conditions have any symptoms? A lot of times they don't. 
a lot of times that we know we're just picking up these lesions on our exams. And so patients don't even know they have them. I've had a couple of patients that have lichen sclerosis and, or they have itching from something else and they'll actually scratch their angiokeratoma. And so sometimes they'll get a little bit of bleeding from the angiokeratoma. Most of these pigmented lesions are completely asymptomatic. Yeah, I try really hard not to treat angiokeratomas at all because they just people just get lots of them and and they get worried about them and then they'll be back a lot of times if you start treating them because people who get them get them and it's cosmetic. I tell them it, it makes them unique. You know, it's something that's part of them and they're going to keep getting more of them. And so I do know some people that will treat them, but I try to just reassure patients and help them realize that it's not anything that's going to turn into skin cancer that they shouldn't be worried about. Yeah, I do exactly the same thing. And you know, a lot of people have them in other parts of their body too, and they just don't look as, they look slightly different. So usually when you show them them on their neck or under their arm, or like, oh, I have them there. Oh, they're the same. (laughs) So a lot of reassurance in our world. So Bottom line, the people that you think we should biopsy are who? So I think that we should biopsy people that have really odd looking flat pigmented areas that are not 100% symmetric. And so I think if you ever have a doubt or if melanoma ever crosses your mind or you think that something looks odd to biopsy them, I think having a low threshold to biopsy, you know, is important and may help us catch some of these more dangerous things that are rare, but maybe catch them in a slightly earlier stage. And they're usually very dark in color. Dark, black. Obviously, if they're raised dark and black and atypical and have those ABCDEs of melanoma, definitely biopsy them. That's perfect. Any last words of advice from yourself? No, I think honestly, this podcast is great. And for all of you guys listening, I mean, we really appreciate just all the things you do for seeing these women every single day. I really can't stress that enough. I think that there's so many providers that make such a huge difference and impact in these women's lives. So we're really just excited to to get more people involved. I think this is really awesome. Yeah. And keep looking at the vulva. The more you look at it, the better you'll get at picking up things. Totally. Take that time to look and you never know what you're going to see. There you go. Thank you again to Dr. Melissa Mascar, who is a dermatologist at UT Southwestern in Dallas, Texas. Mm-hmm.